0: My bulletin tells me that uh, our gospel reading this morning is from Matthew. In my notes, I had Luke, but we'll read Matthew, and that'll be great. I'm assuming that's what's going to come up on the screen. There it is. Okay, Matthew chapter 1. I will read apparently verses 17 through 25. All right, even though I make these decisions, I'm still not sure what I'm doing, all right? So I I am the one to blame here. So let me read this uh, word for you. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. And from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to Christ, 14 generations. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. So the Lord be with you. Ah, the Roman Catholics have appeared. Those of you who are good Roman Catholics, you automatically respond to the greeting, the Lord be with you, by saying, and also with you. Or if you're an up-to-date Catholic, you would have said, and with your spirit. They made that change in the mass liturgy in 2011. That priestly greeting, the Lord be with you, is often known by its Latin name, Dominus Vobascum. It is a traditional, ancient greeting, a salutation, much older than the Roman Catholic Church. We find it already established in Old Testament times. We hear it, for example, in Boaz's greeting in the book of Ruth. It reads this way, Boaz came from Bethlehem and he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. We hear King Saul use these same words to salute David, the boy shepherd. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine, David said. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Over time this salutation, the Lord be with you, became an automatic formula Something you'd say without thinking about the importance of what you're saying. We have the same thing in English. The word goodbye is a contraction of the older, God be with you. We say goodbye without thinking about what we're saying. Even atheists say goodbye. But the root, the deep root of that word goodbye is a blessing. It's a fervent wish. It's a prayer. That God would be with this person that you love and that you're leaving. The Lord be with you. It's a beautiful thing to say to someone. And if our words had the power to bring things to pass, if what we said made things true, how beautiful it would be to say to someone, the Lord be with you. And that's precisely what God did. Not with words alone but with the very incarnation of His own being by sending His Son that first Christmas day. We heard in the account of the birth of Jesus from the Gospel of Matthew, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call Him Emmanuel, which means God With us. God with us. The Lord be with you. That's what God was saying to us. When he sent us. Jesus the Lord be with you. Not far off and away. But with you. Not at some lofty distance. In some remote heaven. But with you. Sending Jesus. Was God's concrete. Hands on. Down to earth way. Of saying the Lord be with you. Today is the fourth Sunday of Advent, and Advent is that four-week season of preparation, a season in the church calendar when we get ready for the coming of the Christmas feast. Christmas is just two days away now. I hope you're all ready. Advent is also the time when the church thinks in a special way about the second coming, the second advent of Jesus. The first time Jesus came in humility as a servant to slaves, as the Lamb of God who would be sacrificed for the sins of the world. But the second time that Jesus comes, He's going to come in power and He's going to come in glory and He's going to gather together the saints to Himself and He will sit in judgment of the whole world, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. This advent season... I've taken a step away from my sermon series through the book of Romans and I've been preaching on four traditional Advent themes, hope, peace, joy, and love. Our theme this week is the love of God, God's love for us, God's love which came down to us in the form of a helpless baby, God's love which rescues us from the chaos of our lives, Chaos that's been created by our sin and by the sin of the world. God's love which embraces us, blesses us, sustains us, thrills us during our Christian pilgrimage. Without a doubt, the most well-known passage of Scripture is John three 16. I'm sure you can all quote it with me. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Do you ever get tired of hearing that? One of the many things that we see in this familiar passage is that the motivation for the incarnation, the driving force behind Jesus being born in Bethlehem, was God's love of humanity. Because God loved the world, he gave his son. Because God loved the world, Jesus was born to a virgin named Mary. All of this Christmas hoopla. And the whole world goes crazy for Christmas. All of this Christmas hoopla at bottom is a big, fat celebration of God's love for humankind. A love that was made visible and tangible in a baby boy. We see that exact same truth declared for us in 1 John where we read, This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. If you have any doubts about whether or not God is a loving God, when then you can look at what He has shown you. This is how He has shown His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is a particular kind of love that God shows the world. It's a life-giving love. I love my daughter Mia. And because I love her, I will give her gifts this Christmas. Some of those gifts will be stuffed animals, because Mia loves stuffed animals. Actually, all of my kids love stuffed animals. Even Calvin loves stuffed animals. I might give Mia 12 stuffed animals this year, one for each of the 12 days of Christmas, but nothing that I give her will be life-giving. And nothing that I give her will demand from me my own life. So much higher are God's gifts than our gifts. So much higher is God's love than our love. Now I hope this is not a spoiler for those of you who don't know the whole story of Jesus. I hope this is not a downer for those of you who know only the Christmas part of Christianity. But here's the rest of the story. The gift of the Son given through Mary in Bethlehem is the gift of a spotless lamb who will be sacrificed for our sins. Christmas always leads to Good Friday. The cradle always leads to the cross. What amazing love God has for us. Jesus said, Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. For those of us living in the Christian world... We might be a little blasé, we might be a little ho-hum about this whole business of God loving us. We might take it a little too much for granted that God would love us. But if you're a Hindu, for example, if you worship the goddess Kali, you certainly don't expect her to love you. She's powerful, yes, she's useful to be sure, but she's not loving You offer her sacrifices, hoping that she will do favors for you, but you don't expect her to love you. That's just not something that Kali does. If you study the history of religions, if you study world religions, you'll find that a loving God is actually a rather strange idea. You might remember the story of the Canaanite prophets of Baal in 1 Kings chapter 18. They shouted until they were hoarse. They slashed themselves with knives, all to get God's attention. But he wasn't listening. And Elijah mocked them. He said, maybe your God is sleeping. Shout a little louder. Maybe your God has gone to the bathroom. Give him a minute. The belief that God is indifferent toward humanity, that God is unconcerned about us, is all too common in world religions. And much of human religious practice throughout history has been an attempt to get the attention of an indifferent God. Almost as if we were neglected children, desperate for the attention of a parent who's too drunk, or too checked out, or too self-absorbed to notice us. Tiamat... One of the chief Babylonian gods actively hated humanity. According to Babylonian mythologies, humans were created by mistake. and periodically, Tiamat would try to wipe out the human race because we were making too much noise, almost as if we were the unwanted child of a parent who wishes we had been aborted. How different that is from what we see in the Bible. Our God, Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has always been coming to His people, has always been seeking out His people, has always been looking for a relationship with us, has always been pursuing us rather than avoiding us. The story of God's chosen people begins with God coming to Abraham and telling Abraham that He's got great plans for him and for his children. Don't ever take it for granted that you serve a God who loves you. We can name a number of essential characteristics of God. God is powerful, God is holy, God is intelligent, God is beautiful. But let's never forget that God also is loving and that God is relational. Even before the creation, when God kept company with Himself in the Trinity, God has always been in a loving relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's just who God is. He can't be any other way. And when He made this beautiful world, and when He made us in His own image, He loved us and He loved this world. God's love is so much a part of His character that... The Apostle John doesn't only say that God is loving. He goes so far as to say that God comes from God, that that love emanates from God, and that God is love. You know this verse. Listen to it again. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Love is from God, and God is love, and in His love for us, God sends His Son to us to be with us. Wow! If you love someone, you long to be with them. That's just how love works. Love is Relational love is a connection between people. It's easy to tell who we love. We love the people that we spend time with. Or maybe I should turn that sentence around. We spend time with the people that we love. Now sometimes circumstances force us to be somewhere we don't want to be, like when we're stuck in traffic. But when our time is our own and when we're free to come and go, we spend our time with the people we love. And here's the wonder of wonder. God in His love for us comes to be with us. God with us. Emmanuel, the incarnational proof of God's amazing love. Now let me quickly mention three examples where God's love for us is demonstrated by His presence with us. First, in the Garden of Eden, Almighty God, maker of heaven and earth visited with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening each day. He just wanted to be with them. And even when they sinned, He doesn't run away from them, though they run away from Him. Rather, He runs to them. An example of God's love with us. Second, when Moses was about to embark on his Enormous task of leading the children of Israel up out of slavery in Egypt into the freedom of the promised land. Moses is scared to death. And Moses pleads with God, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. In other words, God, if you're not going to be with us, we don't want to take one step in any direction. And here's what God says. I will do the very thing that you ask because I am pleased with you and I know your name. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Third, when Jesus was taking leave of his disciples, giving them his final words, his great commission, the final line of that commission, of that parting statement is this. And surely... I am with you always to the very end of the age. God loves his people, and because of that love, God is present with his people. Now Christmas is just two days away. It's the day we celebrate God coming to be with us in the flesh in the form of a child. A child who would grow into manhood and die for us so that we might be saved and I hope that this Christmas is your best Christmas ever I hope that you know the presence of the love of God more deeply and richly and truly this year than you've ever known it in the past this Advent season I've been preaching on these four Advent themes, hope, peace joy and love, those Four beautiful biblical themes show up in one precious passage from Romans chapter 5. Let me close this sermon by reading that for you. Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice, there's the joy, in hope of the glory of God. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Hope, peace, joy, and love. These are the gifts of Christmas. How do we receive them? We receive them in faith and in trust in Jesus in his atoning death on the cross. By faith in Christ our sins are forgiven and we are at peace with God. No longer at war not at war with God, and not at war with each other. And having our sins forgiven, we have hope of glory, a glory that will be revealed one day soon, the glory of a resurrected body, a body like Jesus has, the glory of being in the presence of God eternally. And because of that hope of glory, a hope which does not disappoint, we have joy. Even in the Difficult circumstances of life because we know that God is working all things for our good. Because we know that God will never leave us nor forsake us. And all of that is because God has poured His love, has poured Himself into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. I hope you know that reality this Christmas season The reality of Emmanuel, God with us. So the Lord be with you. Amen.